When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the AEW All Out Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Ben Roy Turner from What Culture to review everything that happened on last night's pay per view AEW All Out. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Rampage, AEW Dynamite pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz of course on wrestleculture as i said though i'm adam wilborn joined by ben roy turner the dadly boys hello there doing some well-earned rest they were up all night writing about all out but ben ray there is only one place to start and i know it's a bit of a gimmick of mine but this message is all over social media the moment i woke up this morning i couldn't help but read was this the best pay-per-view ever (laughs) Uh, I think it might be up there, you know, definitely in this in the the realm of AEW, and that's a high bar as it Mm. is. But trying to think and trying to put like recency bias to it, but it it was almost perfect in a way where we started off with some decent just wrestling. Some going into this, I felt that there wasn't a lot of build for a lot of matches. There was like a few matches that had like some decent build, but we sort of had a few things like the uh, Miro and Kingston match, which kind of felt thrown together, but came also came together at the, like, the last moment mm. on like a rampage. And uh, was it get these nuts or to, along those lines? And um, well, when you think about it, one of the biggest builds here we had was to the, um, the re-debut of No BS, but then like uh, with the uh, Paul White for those people, um, of course. And, and even though the main event, which was always going to be a banger, Christian and Omega, which I won't jump all the way there yet. But even though that was sort of like, everyone kind of like knew what was going to happen with that mm. match. And then what happened after is like, well, that's just nuclear. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how to feel about this. I was talking about it on the news this morning in terms of the fact of, I'm more often the one who gets carried away with these sorts of things. I'll come off the back of a bloody fast lane and go, was that the best? Like you've ever seen or the best WWE pay-per-view they've ever put on or something and it's like yeah. breaks a little bit so I said I think I'm going to give it a few days but like you say for something that didn't like it, it like you say it had anticipation it's CM Punk's re-debut there's a, you know strong rumours strong suggestions that we're getting Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson showing up like you say we're getting Kenny Omega versus Christian we're getting some bonkers I mean you put the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros in the steel cage you can almost guarantee carnage Maybe not exactly what we got, but still, it was sort of weird because it, it, it went in with huge expectations on the one hand, but some of the others you were just like you say, like, oh, I'm sure Mira and Eddie Kingston will be all right. But two weeks ago, we didn't know about it. And you were going in at least a few weeks ago going, it's not exactly Hangman Page winning the world title, is it? So, yeah, there is that. I mean, I think I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. But I got very, very giddy and carried away watching this. And, and like you say, in terms of the final moments of a pay-per-view influencing the way you look back on it, <clears throat> I don't think you can get any better than what happened. But we'll get to that in due it, course. It all came together. And I, especially when I watch pay-per-views alone, I, I mean, sometimes I have a little cheeky, close my eyes for 15, 20 minutes here and there. None of that at all. I was glued to the screen, even when I thought... It was the calm down sort of like, you know, mm. the, the main event. And I, you just, I say, play by numbers. Even that, that kept me to the very end. And, whew, and it's, it's one of those shows where you find it hard to go to sleep afterwards because the <laughs> adrenaline is pumping that much. Yeah, I I think it's an AW's credit. I mean, it's still like, it was still a long show, nearly four hours. But 
they certainly didn't do what's happened in the past. And that is, and Sid talked about this a lot in the build, and that is give matches that only needed, you know, 12 minutes, let's say, which I'm just yeah. looking back at some of the timings for this. And a lot of them, you know, got the time that they needed. You didn't need... I noticed that you know, as well. It was, it was, it felt like a tighter AEW show where sometimes, I feel like sometimes they feel like seven hours long, even though mm-hmm. none of the matches are like terrible or anything, but they just seem to always go. But this one, you were having like what you would call like the Young Bucks uh, versus Luch Bros. That was only like... 20 minutes 22 Mm. minutes maximum that felt like it went forever because not because that was bad because the tension has been up so much and i thought penta died like 17 times (laughs) i I assume those were his children he was hugging afterwards i I can only imagine (laughs) what they were thinking as he stumbled towards them with his mask half off blood all over anyway we'll get to that in due course let's start uh with the opening match not a match that we called to open the show but looking back a hell of a shout miro versus eddie kingston for the tnt championship uh the story of these first two matches is two men beat the crap out of each other for about 15 minutes that's exactly what happened um you know, early on back and forth exchanges from two really hard bastards. And then Kingston gets the advantage despite being the babyface by poking Miro in the eye and then hitting those machine gun chops that we were going to get used to throughout the night. Miro's chest for Miro, let's not forget, yeah. looked red raw by the end of all this. Um, Kingston comes off the apron, um, but Miro catches him and power slams him on the floor. Uh, this leads to Miro being in troll and, and beating Eddie Kingston now for large parts of it. He eventually fights back, dodges an attack in the corner, uh, shoulder tackles Miro to the floor. Uh, he goes for a dive, um, but Miro nails him with a right hand. Kingston then, as they're coming back in, catches Miro, hits the Saito suplex, um, and Miro doesn't want any part of this. At one point, Kingston, after this, goes for his spinning backfist, and Miro just bails to the outside. In the end... Miro attacks Kingston, match could kick, calls for the game over, locks it on, but Kingston, with the crowd willing him on, just manages to make it to the ropes, hits a DDT, but in the midst of all this, uh, Miro has ripped the turnbuckle pad off, and the, the referee has distracted himself by attempting to put that pad back on. So when Kingston hits that DDT, Miro's weakness the official is late getting to the pinfall. That allows Miro to, to kick out. I thought that was a great near fall there. Kingston sets up for the pile driver. Uh, can't get Miro up for it, though. Tries to throw him into that turnbuckle that's been exposed, but the official gets in the way. And then amongst all this, Miro hits one of those mule low blows, effectively a, a, a back kick whilst he's facing the referee uh, and hits his kick. One, two, three. Miro retains... But I, for one, would love to see a rematch here, perhaps in a tennis stadium. Yes, and I, I, going into this one, this was going to probably be one of the harder matches to book. And that, and I have a reason for this, because you don't want Miro to be broken down in any way because Miro is being, since he was rebooted <laughs> and he ejected Kip Sabian from his life, uh, he's been unstoppable and he's been what Miro... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked a bit of the goofy mirror at the beginning. Like I, I didn't mind it as much, but he, what he should have been all along. Right. Mm. And here you've got Eddie Kingston, lovely little Edward. I mean, he's a big man, <laughs> but uh, you can't squash Edward like you have with everyone else. Right. You need, he needs to be sort of an imposing figure and we've seen, and he's been built up as such, like with the matches he's had with John Moxley. Mm. He's, um, along with Penta, was the only other team, apart from Penta again later on in the evening, to beat the Young Bucks this year, uh, going to to like Kenny Omega, like the the number one wrestler on Mm. AEW right now. So it was a weird one. And it was almost, and it was a level match, and it was almost exactly what it needs to be. And even though, and I'm quite happy with AEW now, they're getting, I feel like they're getting used to having a bit more, not screwy finishes, but, screwy business within matches that you can sort of like build off and have a talking point rather than everything needing to be sort of like down the middle there's no there's no cheating there's no sort of um uh tom faller everywhere like i i don't mind a low blow in a match if it like makes sense which it did here because it was poetic justice to um 
to get the <laughs> to get these nuts. Redeem and these nuts, yeah. Redeem these nuts, yeah. And I keep saying get these nuts, like get these hands. And <laughs> also, you weren't sure if the turnbuckle spot was an accident for the first part either. Yeah. I it, it was so well done and bringing that all into that with the distractions and it was the referee for a moment like <laughs> i can't remember the exact referee's name but he bless him he got a lot of flack from the crowd when um he was bryce remsburg yeah he yeah remsburg. Abuse. and um i mean fair, like fair enough as long as the, the abuse stops there but like uh bless him for missing a few things that he did uh, of course because he had to mm-hmm. and even the spot where you thought Kingston might tap out and he didn't because I don't think Kingston should tap out. I think getting kicked in the face several times is the way to put him down. But <laughs> you look at Miro after that, like he definitely gave Miro, he made Miro work for it with that, mm. as you said, that chest. And I think you, you couldn't have gone this, you, unless you did a DQ finish, you couldn't have gone anywhere else with this. And I thought both came out stronger than they went in. Yeah. And it, like you say, the, the, the turnbuckle spot and the, the finish, was just informed by Miro's desperation of, you know, he believes he's unstoppable and his record speaks to that, but he certainly got pushed right to his limit here by Kingston. And, you know, it was reflected on Rampage where he got put down there on the DDT. He got, you know, was it, if Remsburg was in position, and like you say, it was a wonderful story to tell him, oh, he got horrendous a reaction from the crowd. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, maybe the title changes hands and Miro recognises that if he tries to go toe-to-toe with Kingston now, exposed turnbuckle or not, it's not going to end well. So kicking the ball hooks and then finish the match. And like you say, they, like we say, we can, they can just run it back in a few weeks. I'm not exactly sure when Arthur Ashes, but I believe it's towards the end of September. Um, yeah, there's, there's certainly scope for that. And I, for one, uh, in terms of, like you say, a screwy finish, We'll take this all day long rather than a DQ or a bloody count out or whatever it is. Or a roll-up. Yeah, and the theme uh, of this night continued with John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. I've got to hold my hands up and say I didn't really know a lot about Kojima, but in this match I didn't really need to because out he comes, 50-year-old bloke. He bloody pops his pecs within the first couple of minutes uh, and he tries to be respectful at the beginning. With Moxley holds out his hand, Moxley just flips him off, and they just, yeah, they just chop each other. They hit each other as hard as they can. Um, I think the the thing that personified this match in terms of, you know, less desperation and more, what harm can we do to each other in this? Was the bit where they were both on the top rope biting each other's faces. Yeah. Uh, Kojima off the back of that hits a bloody superplex, apron DDT, another apron DDT. Uh, Moxie's arm got all busted up in the midst of all this. Kojima got a hell of a lot of offense here. Um, Moxley uh, goes to the paradigm shift, gets hit with a brain buster by Kojima. Uh, eventually, the, the tide sort of turns back in Moxley's favor. Uh, he reverses a lariat into a German suplex, hits a whole load of lariats of his own. Um, Goes to the Pacnima shift again, but Kojima hits a left arm lariat and that cozy cutter of his for a, for a double down. Moxley's trying to choke him out throughout all this. Locks on the bulldog choke. Uh, Kojima has to reach the ropes. Uh, in the end, though, Moxley hits a headbutt, do- dodges a lariat, hits a paradigm shift, hits a second paradigm shift. He gets the victory. I mean, I want to know your thoughts on this, but more importantly, I probably want to know your thoughts on what came after. So very briefly, your thoughts on the match, Ben Roy. Uh, so uh, like you, I I wasn't aware of um, Kojima before this match. And I was thinking of Metal Gear Solid all the way through because you know, my beloved Hideo Kojima, just, like, just <laughs> the only other Kojima I know, so I just pulled to that. But uh, for a 50-year-old bloke going against John Moxley, it, he did well. Yeah. And it, this is what it needs to be. In this, I'm going to say this a lot uh, through this uh, podcast is like they just beat the piss out of each other and Moxley <laughs> yeah. coming in with a GCW uh, hoodie on sort of like set the tone of like the yeah. mood he was in and where his where he was in sort of like headspace and these two just went at each other it did like it's one of the short matches on the show it didn't need to be that long and it was just I think it was a nice mix up and a change of pace after uh, the TNT title match we just had. John Moxie went over with, 
I just his paradigm shift when he when he cranks it up and pulls someone straight down the head. You you just know they're done. It's like mm. he, he does it in such a way he performs it off so well. I it just eliminates him. But yes, we should move on to what happened afterwards. Which was probably the which was the whole setup for this in the first place. I think. Yeah, like you say, I think these these opening two matches were two very different kinds of brawling, but two very similar kinds of two men beat the piss out of each other and that obviously summoned the spirit of and the embodiment of that sort of thing uh Minoru Suzuki he gets a huge reaction uh especially from Moxley who pulls a hell of a face in the ring that's a meme for sure uh holy chance of course he comes down takes off his jacket squares up with Moxley they trade forearms uh eventually Suzuki hits a boot uh Try, Moxley tries for a lariat. Suzuki couldn't care less. Rear naked choke. Gotch-style pile driver on John Moxley. Stands over him, foot on his chest. We are getting these two, I believe, this week on Dynamite in the uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, a homecoming edition of Dynamite. Sweet Jesus. I mean, the forbidden door has been blown off its hinges, hasn't it? What a match to give away for free TV as well, because like for anyone who doesn't watch uh, hasn't watched Suzuki. You might have just seen him being on the sphere of influence like I have throughout the years. You just know he's a hard bastard. You just know mm. that he's just going to destroy someone if, if he gets near them. And the way they sort of put him over in this end segment to this match, one, didn't make Moxie look weak because he was such an imposing figure. And I think the crowd sold it, the commentary sold it, and Moxie's face sold it. And two, you just, it just, it's, great how they can build towards we we aren't just in the same old conventions that be going for what feels like 50 odd years now where pay-per-views always have to be sort of like the blow off at the end of something where we, we've got we've had like one or two aspects of this pay-per-view which are going to be have started new things and going to get keep going on and Suzuki just just annihilated Moxley eventually and I can't wait to see these two just beat the hell out of each other on Dynamite it's certainly not a sentence I ever thought I would write. Minoru Suzuki challenges John Moxley. And yet here we are. And what yeah. an exciting match that is going to be. Uh, women's world titles on the line next. Britt Baker defending against Chris Statlander. You sort of alluded to this earlier, Ben Roy, in terms of the fact that we all kind of knew the result of this match. But it was a hell of an entertaining way to showcase it. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Baker goes for the DMD, you know, signaling early on and gets reversed into a self boop, I believe yeah. it's called by uh, Devastating. By, Chris, by Chris Statlander. Um, back and forth between these two, as you would expect. Um, some good, if not quite great stuff, but there was towards the end, I thought they really kicked into gear. Um, Baker gets the glove, signals for the locked jaw, um, but then Baker uh, counters the Big Bang Theory as Chris Statlander tries to fight back, cradles her for a two count, flatline Statlander to the turnbuckles. Uh, they fight on the top rope. Credit to Chris Statland. They're basically deadlifting Britt Baker uh, for a superplex. Goes to the area 4-5-1, but Baker rolls out the, uh, the way. Goes for the lock jewel, but Statlander fights out and hits one of those electric chair face busters and a scissor kick for a near fall. Uh, Baker gets out to the floor. Statlander goes to that pendulum moonsault, but Baker just isn't there. She gets out of the way and Statlander just splats on the floor. Um, Baker comes off the steps to hit a curb stomp, goes for the lockjaw as they get back in the ring, but uh, Statlander tries to turn it into a spider crab. Baker kicks her way out, stomps in the corner. Baker climbs the ropes and hits a Pittsburgh sunrise, a possible sign of things to come, let's say. Curb stomp, near fall, great near fall, in fact, and decides, you know what, never mind all this, let's go for the lockjaw, and she gets the submission victory, as we expected, but a hell of a sprint towards the end, Ben Roy. Giving this match six months to a year down the line again, because this was never going to, obviously, ha- we were never going to tip the vote off uh, Rebecca at this point. Mm-hmm. She's white hot. She's a white hot baby face, but also one of the biggest heels in the company. So it's it's so confusing, but it's so good at the same time. That she can play all these angles. And yeah, like Statlander is a future AW Women's World Champion, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And we missed out on quite a lot of her due to her injury and now she's back she's it it was almost a blessing to sky she's been better than ever and mm. they're just i i think about I, I this character that she's built where she's an alien but she's also 
so one tough cookie at the same time and just going head to head and it's, i feel like we're now at a point with the women's matches and the women's world title where i feel like we're actually having proper programs and mm. sort of like it not just being relegated to oh we need to defend this belt at this pay for you and i'm feeling like we're bringing the women's division of aw mm. to a point where not that way where I feel like it should have been maybe a year and a half, two years ago almost. And this match just cemented it for me. And also one bit you didn't mention in your roundup there is we had an evolution of another character with yes. Orange, Orange Cassidy pulling off his glasses and shouting. I think it was a get up or something like that. Something like that. Firing up Statlander. Yeah. Yeah. And that for a moment, like, oh, what's going on here? And obviously he calmed back down afterwards, but that was... He, just that bit of shouting was a major part of the match. And I, also, again, we didn't really have any screwy business with the two outside, which was excellent at the same time, because mm. you can almost guarantee, like, if this was booked in a different way, you could see this, well, we can't have either of them losing. So what if we just do a DQ and have mm. the run-in and then we're sort of done. But no, we had a great contest between both of them. And again, like... I just couldn't have seen this going any other way and I'm happy that it did go this way. And I don't think Statland has been weakened whatsoever. No. Uh, we're backstage. It's Andrade El Idolo. He's with Charlo Guerrero talking about Pac and his travel issues, saying it's not his fault. Um, and Charbo said that Pac wasn't there because he's scared. The same thing happened with the Lucha Bros. And uh, this Friday on Rampage, of course, those two will go head to head and uh, it's going to be no more excuses. And then we got to the tag team championship match inside a bloody steel cage. I'm reliably informed it was Mexican rapper Muelas de Gallo, de Halo. Either way, it was an epic entrance for the Lucha Bros. Uh, Don Callis, Joy of Joys, was on commentary for the match. And we got, I mean, this is an incredibly high bar, but one of the best tag matches I've seen in AEW. I still think possibly... I prefer the Revolution match, but I do think I may have to go back and watch both of them side by side because this was a very different kind uh, of tag match compared to that. A lot more bloody, this one. But nevertheless, yes. just absolutely sensational work from all four men. Um, Book's trying to escape the cage straight away in a match that I think they it reiterated on commentary, you can only win by pinball or, or submission, but whatever. Uh, just... Painter catapulting, catapulting Ray Phoenix into the books that early on told you where we were going to go. Uh, Phoenix later on hit a step up Hurricane Runner on Nick and uh, Penter hit that diving ass kick, whatever that's called. I'm going to definitely miss a, miss a spot here. So I apologize if your favorite spot does not get mentioned, because if you haven't seen it already, go out of your way to go and watch this match. Uh, the books hit an indie taker with a sent on on both men. Um, to get a near fall with a double count, basically. Uh, so Lucha Bros fight back after getting out of the way of a BTE trigger. Phoenix goes for a crossbody, books catch it, and they've just had enough at this point. Matt Jackson just kicks them both in the dick and then pulls the face, <laughs> and he gets away with it with that, with that sort of face. They hit more bang for your buck. They ripped at the Luchador's face masks, lawned Art Phoenix into this steel cage, and then Brandon Cutler unveils a bag with something in it, which fair play to him. He nails thrown over what looked like a huge cage. First time it's opened up to reveal one of their fancy air Jordans with thumbtacks all over the bottom of it. Matt sets up to hit Ray Phoenix with it, but Penner offers to take the bullet for him. Penner's already bleeding at this point. He's bleeding a lot worse after getting hit faced first with it. Um, they set up the BTE trigger but then instead they super kick Ray Phoenix with the thumbtack boot, hit the BT, tr BT trigger on Penta. That looks like it's that. But Phoenix at the last second, literally 2.99999 breaks up the fall to get a fantastic reaction. Uh, at this point, I realized Ray Phoenix is piercing blood everywhere as well. Um, Ray Phoenix makes a jaw-dropping one-man comeback. Hurricane Rana's corkscrew kicks. He finally gets a hold of that boot and hits both of these bell ends with it. Uh, Phoenix hits a black fire driver on Matt Jackson for a near fall. Then the two elder brothers of the teams face off. Both hit to package power drivers on the younger versions. 
uh, of their opponents. And then Pen uh, on Matt Jackson, it's a bloody top rope Canadian destroyer. Goodness me. Then after that, we have like a four-way exchange. There's chops, there's super kicks, there's kip-ups, followed by another super kick. Everyone gets laid out. Um, and again, in a sort of reverse of the breaking up of an earful by the Lucha Bros earlier, this time uh, Nick Jackson gets hit with a fear factor by the Lucha Bros, and Matt breaks it up at the last second. Ray Phoenix climbs the cage. Looks like he's going to do something. Maybe hit their mad finisher off the top of it. But uh, Nick kicks Penta, climbs the cage, gets kicked off, falls down, and then Ray Phoenix hits a bonkers crossbody off the top onto the three men. They hit their double team pile driver. One, two, three. Post-match, as I mentioned, a bloodied Penta goes over and celebrates with his daughters, I assume. Regardless, oh, I needed a cold shower after watching this, Ben Roy. I, I think this is probably the greatest tag team match in AEW history so far. Like I certainly enjoyed it more than the Revolution match. It maybe just me, but I feel like the cage has been such a mysterious thing within AEW, mm. and we've not we've had some sort of like other cage like cage like box structures in our time in AEW, <laughs> but um, uh, we haven't really had a cage match since Cody and Wardlow mm. about a million years ago, pre-pandemic. So having this back here and it works so well because you don't want uh, any of the um good brothers coming on this and you i think i think all of us wanted the lucha bros to finally win like it felt like it's it, this whole time having the lucha bros just on not on the sidelines but it's been two years man and for them to finally get this win like this and in a way where this match was more so than any other box match, box match recently, where it was a bit more believable because there's only two spots I can think of where uh, Nick Jackson took that Canadian destroyer and he was up within like I think five seconds and then he dominated again. I was like, "Come on, man, like stop this!" <laughs> and uh, when the giant crossbody off the top rope, Penta took pretty much all of that and then he <laughs> yes. got back up in two seconds and then somehow killed. Uh, Time for the pile driver, yeah, yeah. Uh, they only two points. I'm like, what? It, they didn't make sense to me, but for the rest, flawless execution of just, I thought the Young Bucks had this within the first five minutes and then they were playing with their food and then they couldn't put their food away and then their food came back and destroyed them. And when you have introductions of like, say the thumbtack, oh. uh, kick, uh, Air Jordan's shoe mm. and Penta at this point, is I think even his face paint is mixed with the blood and his yeah. mask is half ripped open, so it looks like his actual face is being ripped open, and he's trying to trying to get blood out of his way so he can breathe. And the whole time, Ray Phoenix is just flying about and then using the cage to avoid uh, standard Nick Jackson like offense and in interesting ways, and having them to battle on the side like at least two or three times and really using the case for full effect. And thank God they needed the one high spot and it was a very protected high spot. It just, this cage match is going to be the benchmark for a cage match going forward. I can't think of a cage match in wrestling for the, for the longest time that I, what had this much gravitas and was such a sort of like spectacle to, mm. and, and special and, I, I look back and you, this this feels like almost like a hell in the cell sort of state. Like their cage is like the hell in the cell now mm. for AWA. It sort of like builds up and this is now where you end saying and 300 odd days later, the Unbucks have finally dropped the straps and I feel like it's the right time because we need to move them on to more like evil sort of leaders within AW as they get thwarted by um, people that I will mention later. But this match... Oh, just one of those ones where it's just in your veins for 20 mm. solid minutes and you can't pull away and you really, and I, I could gush about this the whole time, but Penta and Ray Phoenix did an excellent job. So did the Young Bucks. And I am so happy with this result and what, what a match. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, let's move on to the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Look, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this. This was probably, aside from the joke a bit, my least favorite part of this pay-per-view We've talked time and time and time again on these podcasts about how much I really kind of dislike, and we all do, this Casino Battle Royale format. And if I'm honest, there were spots I really enjoyed, like Jade Cargill, maybe because I'm biased, I'm a Jade Cargill fan, press slamming Layla Hirsch to the outside. But for me, this match only really got going when we got to the Joker. So I'm just going to jump there, if that's all right with you, yeah. Ben Roy, because the Joker was one Ruby Soho, as we'd all hoped, the former Ruby Riot came out last. Uh, she got chance and, and just soaked it all in. And there was a lovely glint in her eyes. She walked down to the ring. She comes down. Uh, she's fighting off immediately. Uh, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, all those sorts of people. Um then she gets laid out to allow some other people to have some moments in there. Uh, take on E, Penelope Ford, a, a brawling. Uh, Jade Cargill eliminates Red Velvet. And then Nyla Rose eliminates Jade Cargill. Uh, take on E eliminates Penelope Ford, but then gets eliminated by Nyla Rose. So the final three are Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, uh, and of course, Ruby Soho. The two smaller women go after the giant that is Nyla Rose. She fights them off. She hits a tree slam. She hits a bloody Samoan drop. But as she goes to attack Thunder Rosa, she gets uh, eliminated using her own momentum against her to put it down to Thunder Rosa and Ruby Soho. They fight. They go exchange moves in the ring and then they fight onto the apron. And it's that panic of people trying to yank each other off or just hit one big move. Uh, Soho tries to suplex Rosa. Rosa tries to Death Valley driver Ruby Soho. In the end, though, Rosa gets sent into the turnbuckle and hits, I think, what used to be the right kick, a sort of version of that, effectively, to knock, yeah. uh, to knock Thunder Rosa off the apron. Not only is Ruby Soho all elite, Ben Roy, but she is also now the number one contender. The, the number one contender, which we'll probably have in, is it Ash, Ash's... This, Arthur Ashes, like I would love for that, that match to be there. Uh, so uh, my prediction for this is the one of the only predictions I think I got wrong. I had Thunder Rosa because uh, I they're in the past. I don't think the Jokers have ever really gone over it in the way that I would have liked. But in this one, it, it was booked to perfection here. Like Ru- Ruby Soho is gonna jump straight ahead of the line, and we've we and this is like at least with this match. The format is very weird and very confused. Like not very confusing, but it's so sort of like hodgepodge. Where and now it's the diamonds, but I don't think they, they should have at least on the screen who's in what bracket before they come out and give each wrestler like at least more than five seconds to sort of show their face and show them rather than the match. And it it felt like a do we show them? Do we not? And then mm. it, there was so many mixtures of that throughout the match. And when we finally got to the end, as you say. When it started to come together, uh, it, it just worked, man. And Ruby Soho, uh, I the only work I've ever seen her in was as Ruby Riot in WWE. 
and I don't think she got like a fair shot there. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to see her again jump ahead of the queue with this uh, stipulation and uh, be uh, be a, what will no doubt be an excellent contest for Britt Baker and mm. in a smart way hold off Thunder Rosa because I feel like that will be the nuclear feud for the Britt Baker title run and that may be a way to that may be the end of her title mm, run yeah. when we finally get back to that as we've seen with their lights out match before and the, the rivalry them to have had but um i wouldn't have gone any other way looking back at it now and <laughs> just what a way to bring ruby soho in and uh, it's so much better than uh when we had leo rush as the joker what was it a double or nothing when he just waved and was destroyed instantly so sort of. yes so yeah. it, it, it one of the weaker matches on the show for sure but if you were to chop off uh most of it and have like say the last five minutes excellent. exactly yeah a hell of a springboard for, for soho and, and great to see her just back enjoying wrestling uh yes. again let's get on to the final fight that came next it was mjf versus chris jericho and mjf up to his old tricks we got an old classic jericho countdown to Jericho's last match, because that was part of MJF's entrance. Uh, Jericho's entrance featured the Fozzie guitarist doing his best Boogs impression uh, to bring Jericho to the ring, and the fans can sing all the lyrics, possibly for the final time, because, of course, if Jericho lost this, he will never be allowed to wrestle in AEW again. Uh, early on, it's quite amused by this, they brought into the crowd, Jericho grabbed like a pole thing, just twatted MJF with it. I was like, they're pretty heavy. Yeah, that A, that could really mess him up pretty badly. And B, guess we're just letting that go now. Okay, but you know, it's what it is between these two. It's a blood feud. I can understand the referee giving it some leeway. Um, MJF fights back by trapping Jericho in the ring skirt, attacking uh, attacking his arm. Obviously, that's what he's going for to get his uh, to get his submission on later on. Um, MJF knows how to piss off a crowd. That includes just straight up flipping it off and doing the flare struts and then humping the air, effectively. Um, He eventually uh, guillotines Jericho over the ropes uh, and hits a brilliant heat seeker to leave Jericho almost getting counted out, just made it in at the last second. Uh, Otherwise, what what an unsatisfactory end to his wrestling career that would be. They go out to the floor... MJF went for a bloody moonsault. What's he doing? Anyway, Jericho dodges it, power bombs MJF onto the ring corner, and MJF is selling his back as this match goes on with real visceral screams. Um, Jericho comes off the top, gets hit with the co- his own code breaker by MJF for a near fall. Um, Jericho goes to the walls. MJF fights out of it, but Jer- Jericho hits a lion salt for a near fall. Uh, Jericho also eventually, as they are fighting on the top rope, uh, hits a diving code breaker on MJF for a near fall. Out comes Wardlow, but Jake Hager immediately uh, attacks him and they brawl out with referees, sending them off. In the midst of all this, that distracts the referee. That allows MJF to use Floyd the Bat, hit the Judas effect. One, two, three. MJF wins. Chris Jericho and never wrestle again. Or can he? Because as MJF celebrates and the crowd rain down booze, a referee who'd come to deal with uh, Wardlow and Hager uh, tells, I believe it was Aubrey who was refereeing, informs yes, Aubrey that she missed the foot on the ropes. Uh, so to restart the match. Right, I've got an issue here, Ben Roy. Either we do that and referees can change their decision or the referee's decision is final, which means either for me, Ben Roy, MJF's the world champion, because if you're allowed to change your decision, Moxley used an illegal move or you're not allowed to, you know, you're not allowed to change your decision, in which case Chris Jericho shouldn't wrestle again. Either way, MJF has been screwed yet again by this company. Yes, the match restarts. Uh, Jericho immediately rolls him up. Near fall, MJF gets his submission uh, on uh, on Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho reverses it, rolls him up, and puts him in the walls of Jericho, torturing his back, sits down on it. MJF submits. Chris Jericho is allowed to wrestle again, even though he probably shouldn't have done, but uh, a great story being told here. Yeah, a, a great story being told here in this respect, but if we look at the greater pinnacle versus uh, in a circle feud, I... 
one of the worst things I think has been on AWTV, in my opinion, where it's just not in the work, but in how confusing it's been, how mm. up and down and how just stop and start and like, uh, Back to the, front. The, yeah. And their match on dynamite, there was, I don't, I, I was listening. There was not a single mention of the inner circle, or the pinnacle once on commentary, anything like that, or the buildup. And there wasn't here either until they're like, Oh, remember Wardlow existed. Jake Hager's just respawned. He's just been like glitched <laughs> out somewhere for the past couple of months. Uh, but the, the match itself, excellent but i just couldn't i and i hate i hate stipulations where you can tell well this is just ruin the match now because why would jericho go to commentary at the point when aw is at its highest and when mm-hmm. he can have another match with cm punk which will happen and when he can have a match with daniel bryan which you probably want to do i just i i couldn't take myself out of that wrestling booking brain where you can see everything else going on around you i don't know if you've seen that film hackers where they're just sitting there all the numbers are flying around i'm like well they, this can't happen because of that and that can't happen because of that and then and, and the way they did the finish this match sure i mean i don't think it's destroyed mjf he's won quite a lot of matches over jericho and it almost feels like the uh sort of like the uh labors of jericho were pointless if we got to this point anyway i feel like this should have just been the the last labor of jericho and got here in that respect maybe mm. but yeah the match itself i thought it was solid i was worked totally by that entrance and uh i i thought that was hilarious i'm looking forward to seeing how they come out of this on dynamite and i hope this is it i hope we don't have any more of this it's been two years now almost mm. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I, I just, I'm sorry if I seem overwhelmingly negative on this, but I couldn't get that out of my brain. And I just, I need this to be done. I need them to go their own ways, but I would have probably, um, or I will probably undone. I would have had Jericho being like murked with more baseball bats to the head or something like that, because we kind of need space between these two now. It's been a bit too long and I'm going to stop going on about this match because I can't get that out of my head. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I think these two have you know have kept each other busy for the better part of a year, and uh, yeah, look, Jericho's got his win back now. MJF's got his ready-made excuse, uh, not an excuse, a justifiable excuse. Yeah, screwed over company, man. Um, but uh, yeah, move them on onto ne- the next thing. Uh, one of which may feature CM Punk because he came next. He fought Darby Allen. I'm just looking at Ben Roy's face, who's been a lifelong CM Punk fan, and I sense that he rather enjoyed this. There was welcome back chance, yes. you know. It wasn't even the need of a you still got it because, yeah, I mean, he didn't have his his classic trunks on. He had sort of different gear, which distracted me initially. But nevertheless, uh, he, he hasn't missed a step, really. Immediately so going new gear to, got me as well. Mm, yeah. It's uh, immediately going into sort of technical wrestling showcase the fact that he's he has still got it, even if the crowd doesn't feel the need to remind him of that, which is quite right. Um, Punk hits a scoop slam, uh, catches Darby Allen in, in a position early on for a GTS, and Allen dives to the outside and realizes maybe what he's got himself in for. Uh, Darby Allen gets some offense back in, though, hits a step up arm drag, coffin splash in the corner uh, as he goes. Uh, for a hammer throw, though, Punk reverses it. And, uh, oh, my God. I thought Darby Allen had broken his spine. He sends Darby Allen not into the turnbuckle. You know, they normally do it, and they go and they post themselves on their shoulder. Yeah, imagine that, but he's just flying and turning, and his back bends around the post. Darby Allen puts himself through stuff that would put me down for the rest of the bloody year. Anyway, he immediately comes back from that. Uh, hits uh, one of these over-the-top stunner things that he manages to do, starts his comeback, coffin splash, gets a cradle for a two-count, another cradle, uh, and gets a code red in amongst that for another near fall. Punk nails him with the GTS as they have another exchange, but Darby Allen spills out the ring. Oh, the chance may have gone. Uh, Punk almost accepts a count-out victory, but Darby Allen just gets in. Punk in control now, hits the knees in the corner, that short arm clothesline of his, calls for a GTS, but Allen, as he's picked up, nails him with elbows from the top, and uh, that means Punk goes to the outside, and Darby Allen hits him with his speeding bullet tope, whatever you want to call it, through the ropes. 
uh, and hits a flipping sent on off the top rope all the way to the outside. Sits, sets up, sorry, for a coffin drop, goes for it, and that is when Punk just sits up, taunts him, almost gets caught by uh, Darby Allen cradling him, just rolling him up as, as Punk sat there feeling very proud of himself. Uh, another cradle, wrapping all Punk's legs up, gets another near fall. Punk hits a single leg drop kick, gets him up, finally hits another GTS as uh, Darby Allen was on his shoulders and gets the victory. Post-match, Sting comes down, shakes Punk's hand, who subsequently then shakes Darby Allen's hand. This is everything I needed from this match and more. Yeah, I mean, I was happy there was no sort of like schmoz at the end. I was waiting mm. for 2.0 to run in for the 74th time this week, but they thankfully they didn't. And when Sting took Darby back, he's like, it's like a dad finding his drunk son on a night out, <laughs> and he's like, "Come on, son! Even though this is this might be this might be the biggest straight edge main event match ever." I'm sorry, just stealing that from you there. I can't exactly do the Wilborn voice, but uh, yeah, it was. I this match, it could have been really weird, right? But it, it wasn't in the end, and it felt normal to us CM Punk wrestling, and we needed to get away. I mean, he's super special, and he's one of the one of the one of my personal all-time favorites, I'll say, but it felt like he was just in a match again, but not in a bad way. And it was nice to get used to him into the ring and take some offense from Darby Allen to some of the spots like the GTS and Darby Allen just like bouncing out of the ring was excellent. And the setup channeling a big match, Mark Calloway in that respect. <laughs> and <laughs> it wasn't expecting that. And then those sort of spots, yeah, well, God, a little uh, one second layer and that in your face ruined. Sorry, good old cookie monster. But yeah, it was just also the, the amount of face paint and obviously body paint that Darby had on worked to the favor here. Yeah. Really sort of like um, just covered them both in it and sort of like darkened punks. Uh, wrist tape, which I'm glad he brought back up, by the way. I was when I was scared that he might not go back that route, but mm. just had punk back the way we needed it and it's so nice to have punk back but not just to listen to cult personality for 10 minutes even though i could listen to that i could do that forever it's fine yeah. but it was him in a match again and it, it kicked off one of, it was one of the three main events of the evening it was it kicked off the main events and it just uh because the next obviously we had one of the biggest matches in AEW history but the, <laughs> the, the same punk moment is what it needs to be and I'm glad no one ran in. I'm glad there was no sort of like hard luck. I don't know now if we then have Derby sort of like not turn heel or Punk get a bit sour and then they have a bit more of a blood match next time or we move on to something else fresh. Mm. Uh, either way, I would like to sort of um, get Punk in the ring again soon ra and rather than just like him then sort of come down to the ring and chat for the next sort of like four weeks, if that makes sense. Yes, exactly. Very excited to see what he does next and who he works with next. But uh, yeah, in terms I was, of... I, I should say as well, I'm sad that we didn't get any Pepsi plunge. I was waiting for the Pepsi... <laughs> and a move that was made illegal in WWE because it was basically a pedigree of the top rope. But now um, there isn't any sort of um, Paul Hunter Hurst Helmsley Levesque around. We, could <laughs> have the, we should have had the Pepsi plunge. That's That would be my only critique. Yes, they'll maybe saving that for, for hopefully for down the road a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, in terms of a return match, not much more you could ask for. Right, never mind CM Punk's in-ring return or Brian Danielson or Adam Cole or Ruby Soho or Nora Suzuki. Let's talk about the real main event, the big takeaway from this. Yes. And that was no more BS. <laughs> Marshall. Oh my God, I was so happy this just went three minutes. Like they, they did all they needed to do. Paul White, Murdered Aaron Solo and Nick Comero before the match even started. Rips open QT Marshall's jacket, silences the crowd so he can hear those massive chops of his. QT gets a tiny bit of offense in, informed by the hit bollocks that they've been going on about. Hits a drop kick, uh, but Paul White recovers. Uh, huge back body drop as QT Marshall goes for a, a running diamond cutter, I believe. Takes out Aaron Solo uh, off the top rope and just just chops him, draping him over the ropes. Uh, then hits a running crossbody on Comorato. Chokes. Oh no! Sorry, hits a uh, he hits a 
a uh, huge KO punch on Nick Comoroto, who doesn't know where he is, but is still standing in amongst all this. And then hits QT Marshall with the choke slam for the victory. Three minutes, fish, bash, bosh. No BS in this match. We were straight to the point when um, QT Marshall got picked. Um, oh, God, I said picture then. I could get sued. Uh, Paul White down to one knee. I thought, here we go. This is going to be a 15 minute classic. <laughs> it's going to go, it's going to go longer than the CM Punk match. But thank God, uh, Paul White got back up and just destroyed the rest of them. Um, I'm curious to where this goes. If this is just now, we can forget about this and please get old Tony Soprano, QT Marshall can go on to do something else. Just go, go away for a bit, please. Maybe, <laughs> please. And if this has to go anywhere else, then it has to be for a go-go to bring his knockout punch to be um, Paul White. And I think everyone's going to accidentally call him Big Show for the rest of time. God damn it. Uh, but yeah, the, unless... QT Marshall is now just going to go to sleep for a bit. Just just go away now and let Paul White go back to the desk or bring a go-go in and let's um, have a go-go sort of like squash Paul White in some respect. But now we come out of this, he's undefeated. CM Punk's undefeated. <laughs> There's going to have to God. be a grudge match here. And I don't care about anyone else in, in this company right now. Whoever wins that match could be no BS Paul White then gets that should have a number one I should have a match against Kenny Omega. When are we gonna get no BS Paul White versus Kenny Omega for the world <laughs> AEW championship? I can tell Sidgwick is just he's just trying to get himself off to sleep after working all night. Go read his ups and downs article at whatculture.com. Give him some support. <laughs> I know we will be getting their thoughts uh, of course in the in the coming days on this pay-per-view naturally but imagine he's just finally getting himself off to sleep. Just, Oh, what a night it was. And then he's just, oh, what's wrong, dear? I just, I don't know. Something, I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> ben Roy said something again. Damn him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, in terms of a, a perfect sort of little, little uh, amuse-bouche before the main event, this was perfect. We also got a promo uh, from uh, Moxley cutting, cutting, cutting down Minoru Suzuki saying, fighting each other is the best drug in the world. Called him a volley. Welcomed him to the jungle. And Malachi Black, who, of course, is going to be facing Dustin Rhodes, just baits him that little bit more. He wants Dustin to be as angry as possible because that makes him more predictable, more likely to slip up. And he reminds him all the horrible things he's done, including murdering his little brother, Cody, as if we needed selling on this really exciting match off the back of Rampage last week, of course, to look forward to. Right, main event time. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Um, again, a, a surreal match in terms of the fact that we went in for another world title match going, I think the champion retains in quite straightforward fashion here. There will be some shenanigans, but yeah, yeah. I thought they they did a great match. I still, I think I prefer, maybe because of the result possibly more than anything, I think I prefer their, their uh, you know, impact world title match from Rampage. But for a match that, you know, if you'd have told me... Six weeks ago, this was going to main event the pay-per-view. You aren't, you aren't getting Hangman Page, Adam. You're getting Christian versus Kenny Omega. Thought they did a hell of a job. And at the end of the day, they could have put on one of the greatest world title matches ever. And still, people would be talking about what came afterwards. But let's talk match first, Ben Roy. Um, immediately, Kenny Omega goes for a V-trigger. Christian reverses it into a kill switch. But Omega fights out. They fight out to the outside. Christian throws Omega into the barricade and hits that top rope double fist thing on the floor. Omega gets control of Christian. Don Callis takes the referee. So he just drapes a table, but not folded out, just the back of a table, drapes it over Christian, running double stomp over the top of it. They set up another table, but uh, Christian counters a suplex uh, that Kenny Omega was going for to try and put him through a second table. Uh, or I suppose the first one wasn't being him put through it, but the table were being broken, I think. Regardless, uh, Christian suplexes Omega on the floor. I really like the bit where Omega goes for a moonsault off the barricade, but slips. And he's, because he's such a consummate pro, he just does the old, no, 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 readjust, nails a perfect one off the back of that. <laughs> he is targeting Christian's head and neck after this. Elbow strikes, leg lariats, bloody V-triggers all over the place and snapdragon suplexes, uh, especially 
off the back of when Christian flipped him off as he was setting up for another V-trigger. Then they are fighting on the apron. Omega is desperately trying to put Christian through that table they set up earlier on. Uh, he goes for the one-winged angel. Christian fights out of it and uh, spears Omega off the apron through the table on the floor. Christian then gets Omega back in the ring, spears him in the back, spears him in the front and gets a great near fall off the back of that. Goes to the frog splash. Omega gets out or gets out of the way of it, though. Lots more V-triggers here uh, <laughs> with uh, Christian just getting absolutely nailed here, uh, including a ripcord V-trigger to just send him down. Uh, he gets him in the submission hold, the Cloverleaf submission. But Don Callis calls out the good brothers uh, to, to come and interfere. Christian goes to deal with them, realizes Omega's coming for him, gets out of the way. So Omega V-triggers Gallows. He hits the kill switch. Another really good near fall here that really got the crowd involved. Don Callis Chris gets in the ring. Christian chases him off, goes for a top rope kill switch. But yeah. Omega gouges his eyes and it's a effectively super one-winged angel yet yeah, no one's kicking out of that one are they ben roy no and i feel like he put over christian in a way for like we didn't even get the threat of a normal one-winged angel it took the super one-winged angel to sort of like take him mm. down and this match it, it just shows how to use uh legends and sort of like uh more seasoned uh veterans that are coming from uh, Titan Towers, and uh, it, it, in a way, like going into this, everyone was. So, I feel like everyone around AW was sort of like not deflated, but sort of like apprehensive after we had sort of Hangman Page sacrificed on the altar. Uh, mm. Because obviously, we all, most of us know that he's going to um, look after his new child, which will be born very soon. Mm -hmm. But for this match, Christian and can he make a read? I, I agree. I think the first one was better, but I think because that was more of, um, uh, I think that's probably down to Rampage being so fresh and new. And yeah, obviously that was an hour show and those bang out fly by where this had to follow no BS Paul White. And it's really hard to do that. <laughs> and, um, but they did it. And there wasn't as much when, when we had the good brothers coming out, I, groaned to myself as, a, as mm. I was sort of like being taken away into the land of Nod because I was like, well, here we go. We're just going to have a bunch of people coming in to interfere now and then Christian's going to lose. Uh, but we, I would still say we had a pretty genuine contest for the most part. Mm -hmm. And Kenny and Christian gave each other exactly what they everything they had. And it went over the right way. We, I don't think no way in a million years should Christian have ever won this match. No. And it was weird because it's like not an underwhelming main event, but it was almost sort of like placed in a way. If it was a hangman page and then what happened next, I think it felt a bit weird, but because it was yeah. Christian and what happened next, it was almost perfectly crafted and sort of like luring us in for what was... The the nuclear ending to this pay-per-view <laughs> and something that just rushed adrenaline through. I'm pretty sure everyone who is watching this and made it very hard to sleep and uh caused Vince McMahon to Google some things like why isn't Goldberg as over as these uh <laughs> tiny tiny little men? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they worked it in, in a way where they knew that they were always going to be overshadowed by what came afterwards. And yet that finish will still live long in the memory, like you say. And it, it doesn't half make Christian look good that his first defeat comes because of a super one-winged angel. But yeah, post-match, out come the Young Bucks to celebrate. And they all, in celebration, beat down Christian Cage. Of course, Jurassic Express run out to make the save, but Numbers Game catches up to them. Kenny Omega gets on the mic. There is already yes chance going on a lot here. Says nobody is on his level. The only people that would ever have had a chance to beat him either aren't here, are retired, or are already dead. The lights go out. And Brian Danielson does not come out. Instead, Adam Cole is all elite. He comes out. He gets an amazing reaction. Makes a just, he's so cool. Ben, I yeah. wish I could be an ounce of the cool that Adam Cole is. He comes out. Everyone does the Adam Cole baby thing. He faces off with the Young Bucks, with Kenny Omega, and it looks like they're going to go at it when he just super kicks Jungle Boy. They embrace. There's everyone having a lovely cuddle and a kiss because 
They're best friends. Cole yeah. gets on the mic. Story time with Adam Cole. Talks about the elite being the most dominant fashion in the history of this business. And yeah, of course, he wasn't going to fight with these guys. They're his best friends. So Omega decides, well, there we go. We've had enough surprises for one night. Does his whole goodbye and good night. But before he can finish, Flight of the Valkyries plays. And out comes, I'll get this right, not Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. And the roof, if it hasn't already, comes off this place. He comes down to the ring. He's aligns himself with Christian, the Jurassic Express, basically against the elite. There's a big old brawl, loads of yes kicks to deafening yes chants from the crowd. Uh, and he finishes with a running knee on Nick Jackson to stand tall with his new friends as the elite bail and the show goes off the air. Oh, like you say, I'm, I'm surprised anyone managed to get some sleep after this. I'm I, I'm in the, the points of my midday crash now, but I think it's not <laughs> as severe because I'm still feeding off how electric that was. And when Adam Cole came out, it was really, it was like, oh, but it's always like, yes, because get him away from uh, whatever NXT is becoming, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like um, Barney's playtime with all this, like the weird <laughs> colors and stuff. I feel like it's going to be on CBB soon or something like that over here in the UK. But um Getting Adam Cole away from that, and uh, finally, uh, I'm just doing this from my comfort. Finally, dawn in black and gold, and looking cool about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that he was one of the key instruments in the uh, the Wednesday Night War of NXT having any ground in my in my opinion, and he's one of the uh, only people to sort of like him and the undisputed era were just such a faction and such a movement. But when that all sort of fell apart, you just could never imagine him on the main roster. Not in, especially not in 2021 when um, Johnny Ace and Bruce Pritchard have to sort of like back up mm. old Vincent Mac Man, and it's going to just be well. What if we um, what if we shaved his back or something like the FTR? We let's bring <laughs> back that storyline. But because uh, you, uh, you would have seen him standing toe to toe with Roman Reigns and Vince Berg, hop pow. Maybe if you get some edit, maybe if you get some heels on, maybe you can be as tall as Roman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that Adam Cole spot was excellently done, and I'm and we should have noticed straight away the tunnel he came out of uh, to w- realize he was he like punked that earlier was when he was leaving, mm. what, uh, like playing the crowd. What tunnel should we go through? And then when we get to Daniel Bryan and we have the flight of the Valkyries, like. Wow, but then some butt rock, and I was like, Well, this beat that's going on at the moment, I'm not quite sure what's going down. Maybe we aw one that sort of like shy from changing themes on the fly, mm-hmm. so I hope we get that tweaked because it's a bit like, Well, it's not really that epic, but I, I that's the very tiniest of complaints because I was losing my mind mm. sitting up just watching. Uh, Brian Danielson, look, we, we have to get it right because poor JR, after five hours of calling matches, got it instantly right. Bless him, and just smashed it out of the park. And I feel like we got one of those classic, I charged him, like, almost mm. calls from JR because I, I don't know if he was unaware of it because I know he doesn't like to know the match results, but he he felt he, he was bringing over how we all felt and yeah. see um, Brian Danielson come in and almost single-handedly take down the elite and defend uh, Jurassic Express and Christian. I, I just don't know where this will go next. And do we have another big faction warfare with these lot? Yes, maybe. But also Brian Danielson's got to win some matches first. And how I'm glad that we've kept CM Punk away from Kenny Omega, but I, I don't think you could have had all these people come in and not keep any of them away from Kenny Omega. So they've done the right one here. And I just need to see Danny O'Brien get wherever we call it, the LaBelle lock, the yes lock, the cross mm. face on Kenny Omega, see what goes down there. AEW continues to become more powerful than I could possibly imagine. I don't know where he goes from here. Who do we get next? Do we get Tom Cohen and get him with Christian and just bring back that <laughs> lovely little team? <laughs> but on a serious note, this was probably the only thing that could have followed be it, no BS Paul White, and it did, and it smashed out of the park. Yes, it's, uh, it was just ridiculous of people saying, 
when Cole came out, it was like, oh my God, we're getting both. Like, Ambassador, you are spoiling us on a night where we've already got Ruby Soho and Bloody Minoru Suzuki and new tag champs. Hence why people are talking about this being, you know, one of the best pay-per-views ever. Um, just in terms of like influencing my opinion of this show, I always say that often it's the last thing I remember that makes me, you know, judge it good or bad. So if something fantastic happens, I almost forget if there's been some bad stuff. I don't think there was much bad stuff on this show. There was lulls, but it wasn't outright bad in any point. Um, But like you say, a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan right now and a thrilling week to look forward to. We will uh, keep you posted on all the developments of it, but what a show, finally, as we conclude here, Ben Roy. Yeah, this... I was skeptical going in for a little bit because I said I felt like a few of these matches were just sort of like happening, even down to the tag match where I felt they almost could have been more build. But then, as we know, there's history between the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Miro did exactly what they needed to bring out there. And we have so much not finishing this pay per view, but carrying on. Mm. And I'm looking forward to that. And full gear isn't that long away either. So, and it's on a Saturday. Oh God, God, yes! Thank Christ on a Saturday. Love it. Don't have to wake up at any or any old time on a Sunday. Just going to sleep through that whole day. Oh, full gear on a Saturday. Bring him back. Thank you, UFC. Uh, I mean, fake real fighting's a bit, but you know, <laughs> thank you for this. And who do we get next? Who, who's going to come through the door next? We gonna have. I, I just got. When, when's Great Carly debuting? That's what I want to know. But the thing is. <laughs> This pay for you, it's surely better, better than last year's all out. Mm. And I, I just can't, I can't bring it into words. I think even losing the Andrade pack match helped it in a way to keep mm. it even more tighter. I'm looking forward to seeing that on Rampage, but I need to see what Danny Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson does next. I need to see what CM Punk's got up for his sleeve next. I want to see uh, where Mira and Kingston go from here. I, I want to see the Lucha Bros and just cry in joy for them once more. And I can't wait. I just can't wait to see more AEW programming. So I'm just going to think about that now. The most ringing endorsement you can give them. But let us know your thoughts on what happens next and your thoughts on this pay-per-view on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Ben Roy at... At Ben Roy Turner. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. All the fallout from this, of course, in the next few days. And I will be getting the Dadly Boys thoughts on it. Hopefully tomorrow, if they have recovered from a hell of a night. But this has been the AEW All Out Review. My thanks to Ben Roy Tenner. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.